Welcome to Box to Box Football. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Box to Box Football. It was a busy week in the Premier League. 45 goals scored across the 10 matches and in fact a record on Saturday. 26 goals scored in five matches, the most goals ever scored in a five-match Premier League Saturday in the history of the competition. We're going to get to all that and much more. JJ here with Stu. Stu coming from a remote location, but I've been told his technology is far superior than what it is in his living room. And <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, none of the other guys are here, unfortunately, but we get to throw back old school. And unfortunately, Stu, we have to start on a negative note, because if you were here the previous show, it would have been much happier days for Liverpool. Not so much here for this one. 3-1 to the Arsenal. And really, Gabriel Martinelli had himself a field day. Uh, Saka gets the opener on a rebound. The other Gabriel, the center half version, with the own goal before Martinelli scores. The eventual winner, Leandro Trossard, with the insurance goal. But, Stu, I mean, this is kind of a, a stark contrast to where your boys were in the last match week because it just never looked like they got going. And the wings for Arsenal had an absolute field day. Yeah, it never did. and. I know there's been times I've been critical of Liverpool throughout this season. Uh, obviously, they've had a few draws that I wasn't happy with. Like, uh, Lewintown draw I wasn't happy with. At Chelsea to start the season, a draw I wasn't happy happy with. Uh, draw against United, another draw I wasn't happy with. And then, of course, the Tottenham loss, uh, the controversial one at that. Th- this was actually the first time, though, where they got dominated. And there's no question about it. Uh, they got run out of the park, really. Could have been two or three goals for Arsenal in the first half. Only wound up being one. And then Liverpool somehow got one back. Luckily, right before halftime to make it a 1-1 game at the half. So just the fact they went into halftime with a little bit of life where it really probably should have been a two or three goal Arsenal lead was surprising. And then they came out of the second half. I, I kind of like how they looked like the first maybe 10 minutes of the second half. They they looked fine. And then after that, it just it just showed again. Um, I liked kind of the way for Arsenal. I know we're critical a lot of Arteta and some of his lineup selections and his team selections didn't have Jesus. Uh, you know, they use Havertz as kind of like that false nine, fourth midfielder. Uh, he looked pretty good. I thought Jorginho was incredible. Like for all the midfielders that these two teams have, you know, guys who are much younger, guys who have much higher price tags, he might have been the best one. Uh, um, Declan Rivers was also pretty good, but I thought Jorginho was incredible in kind of controlling the game and that that kind of double pivot with Declan Rice. And yeah, for Liverpool, they just, they just couldn't muster anything. Like they couldn't play out from the back. They they couldn't really get anything to their attackers. So it was just it was rough all around. They really, like you kind of said, it never really felt like they were in the game. It just felt like they were always chasing and. It was somehow only a, you know one goal game for you know, really until that last like five ten minutes where they got the third, but yeah, I, it, it was just it was a really rough outing, and I, I was kind of disappointed uh, to be honest. Yeah, I mean it's fascinating, especially where that own goal comes in right before halftime. Well, you'd figure, okay, well Klopp, you know he's rallied the troops before; they're on this nice little ride right now, but. It just, you even say the first 10 minutes of the second half, Stu, I know that's 
I think that's optimistic at most. They had the one chance early, but you talk about Kai Havertz, and I know that he's been absolutely ridiculed throughout the course of his time in English football, but he absolutely gave fits to pretty much every Liverpool defender, and Kanate was the one that suffered the most of it because of a pair of yellow cards. Now he's going to be suspended. Arsenal now three matches on the spin with a win. Liverpool... Yeah, this is their first loss. You have to go all the way back to a, a dead rubber game in their Europa League when they last dropped a match. So it's not to say that, you know, panic signs everywhere right now for Liverpool, but the way that we always talk about the Premier League where City are just lying and waiting, lying and waiting, who, by the way, uh, 3-1 victors against Brentford don't really need to go into much of that one outside of Phil Foden had himself a hat trick despite Neil Mope starting the scoring and once again scoring too early against a big club. But <laughs> this the way that things are rolling right now, any drop points for either Arsenal or Liverpool, you feel like it's almost like their season's done. It does. It does definitely feel like that. It's And it's a tough way to feel because... Liverpool technically does control their own destiny. Like they do have Manchester City at home. I believe it's March 9th is the date on that. So they look, if they went out and win that match, like they win the league, but that's a lot to ask. You're not asking for four or five, six games, you know, you're asking for, you know, 15 games. It's that's, that's a big difference. That's, that's a lot of games left to play. And yeah, it, it, it does feel like that. It just doesn't feel like City's going to lose. Even like you mentioned, JJ, as we're recording on on Monday today, uh, Brentford playing City. Even when Brentford went up, went up one, you were just like, City's going to win. There's, there's no question. 99 times out of 100, City's going to win this game. And it's just an inevitable feeling. Now, City do have a few, you know, interesting matchups. Like I said, they do, they do have Arsenal again. Uh, they do have Liverpool again. So there are chances for City to slip up, but... In the end, yeah, I just it's just that 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 feeling of like just don't lose and you just don't expect them to lose. Like you could see Liverpool losing, you could see Arsenal losing, Villa, Spurs, all those teams. It doesn't surprise you like it does when City loses. And now they're getting healthy too. You you got KDB back, you got Holland back, uh Doku's back. So they pretty much are pretty healthy all around. So if they keep that health and keep up the way they're playing, it's hard to imagine that they slip up. Yeah, I don't think so, at least, as you said, not until about that that crunch time in March and also when Champions League matches are going to start to come into effect. Um, looking just slightly further down the table as we get into this goal fest of a Saturday, Sheffield United 0, Aston Villa 5, and this starts to open that trend up again of Villa and West Ham, the absolute Jekyll and Hyde teams of the season right now, but Villa kind of turning the clock back a little bit to what we saw from this club in November and October. They were a team that were just in free scoring flow, despite Ben Baird and Diaz having a great chance in the first 10 minutes of that match to give Sheffield an advantage. But McGinn, Watkins, Bailey, Tielemann all scoring inside the first half hour. People already leaving Bramall Lane before the halftime whistle. And that was not to get a, a Bovril and a pie because it was absolutely frigid, apparently, up north in England. But if there was any doubt, it was put beyond two minutes in Moreno getting a goal. And I don't know, Stu, I really don't know where to put this Villa team. They currently are still sitting fourth in the table right now. Tottenham, they actually get a little help because Tottenham drew at Everton. So that's going to help their case a bit, but we need consistency from this Villa side right now. We look at what's to come for them. They have 
a replay on Wednesday against Chelsea in the FA Cup. They're home to Manchester United, who kind of also Jekyll and Hyde, but they put together two winning performances. They're away to Fulham, who, sorry to Kyle Franco, they're just not performing right now. They're home to Forest, away to Luton. They're in a good stretch, but can Unai Emery's team actually put together four consecutive winning matches in the league? I don't know. I really don't know right now. I don't either. And like you mentioned, their recent form, obviously that draw against Everton was very surprising a few weeks back. Uh, Nil-nil. That's obviously was very surprising. And then they're at home against Newcastle, a team that I thought, you know, back at Villa Park, I thought that would be like a get right match for them. Um, And the fact that they lost and lost pretty astoundingly three to one, that game was over pretty early. I was just like, okay, that's not like Aston Villa, not like how they play at home. That's a little surprising uh, to me. And then to come back and they do it on the road against Sheffield, who, I mean, oh, that that is one team that's just, I know we're going to talk about Villa here, but that is just one team that's just hard to watch. Like th- this was a match that was obviously in that 1230 Eastern slot on Saturday. I turned it off. It, it was, it was four nil at 30 minutes. I was like, I'm, I'm out. Like I'm, they might put up six, seven, eight. I don't know, and I don't really care. But I'm. I know they're not going to score four or five. JJ, that, that I just knew that for a fact. Yeah, we'll get to Villa in a second or continue on. But just to put it into context here, right now, Sheffield United have conceded fifty nine goals this season. They're currently shipping at a rate of over two and a half goals per game. That would be a new record oh. at two point five six in the Premier League across any era of the amount of games played terms of goals per game conceded but if that level actually just rises a little bit we're talking potentially conceding a century of goals which has only been done one time and that was not in a 38 match season that was done by swindon town when it was the 22 teams playing so you play 42 matches that's crazy so we we are on historic tracks right now but back to villa i mean it's just if they can regain that consistent form that we saw back in the mid fall, I mean, who's to say that champions league is still not out of the equation. Of course they can still get there through the, um, sorry, get through to the Europa league if they win the conference league, but who's to say that they don't find themselves in that top four position come April when obviously things get a little bit more challenging for them. They absolutely can. Cause if you look at the teams that are around them, Tottenham, not necessarily consistent, uh, Manchester United, I actually think there's a chance United could finish fourth. I don't think it will happen. Um, I think it will be either Aston Villa or Tottenham, but United is there too. Obviously, they're uh, inconsistent as well. Yeah, I mean, you like what they, they've they shown you. The one thing that obviously hurts them compared to, let's say, Tottenham, if we're using them as the example, uh, Tottenham just has Premier League uh, the rest of the way. That's all they have to worry about is Premier League, while Villa, of course, has Conference League and maybe an FA Cup run, if they sustain, if they can get that result over Chelsea this week, then, okay, they have FA Cup games as well to uh, factor in. Uh, But uh, the team as a whole, I mean, I've been a fan of them. I think I said before the season, I thought they could finish top four. Now, I didn't pick them to finish top four. I think I picked them to finish sixth. Um, But I I see it. I I see what they do at home and how dominant they look at times. The question is usually away from home and okay maybe the depth isn't is there isn't there compared to some of the other 
top tier teams, like you look at the RT three the teams in the top three, the Liverpool, City, Arsenals, they don't have anywhere near the depth that those three teams have. But when you compare them to Tottenham and United, I think the depth isn't too far off. So I mean, I would probably pick Tottenham right now to finish fourth and Villa fifth, but I think they have a very good chance to finish fourth. Well, if we're going to talk about Tottenham, we might as well go to that match briefly. That was the uh, first match of the weekend up at Goodison Park. Richarlison, I give him credit because if there's any man out there, no, I take that back. Amongst a few men in the league that would score against their old club and celebrate, it would be Richie. But you know what? Credit to him. He scores twice, doesn't celebrate either goal, so fair play to him. Uh, Jack Harrison scored to make it 1-1 and then Branthwaite right at the end of the match, which I'm a little surprised by how it went through because I thought he was actually in an offside position on the set piece. But because of the fact that the defender uh, on a whipped in service headed the ball backwards, he was on. So good goal, 2-2. I don't know if there's anybody that takes big solace in these points, too, because Everton still find themselves in the relegation spots. Tottenham still sitting in a precarious position in terms of European football. Uh, but if anything, it just shows that both teams have a bit of fight. Everton, I guess you're you're more happier with the point at home, knowing that Jordan Pickford saved you on oh, half dozen occasions easily yeah. in that match. Yeah, I think so. I, I was very intrigued by this match going in, especially because it's just two teams that, like you mentioned, both teams fight a lot, which I like. Uh, they do it in two totally different ways. Obviously, Dice's system is very, very different than Ange's system. Uh, so you kind of saw some of that play out. Uh, yeah, for Tottenham, it's disappointing. I do look at it, though, as like, okay, Richarlson's been very good lately. Nine goals in eight matches. He, he's been incredible for them. They're going to get Son back soon. Uh, they're going to get Basuma back soon. Those are two key players. Obviously, Madison's still getting up to speed, coming back from his injury. Uh, the two center backs are, are healthy and fit at the moment. So, And then Udogi, too, is there. So, I mean, they got guys. They're Once they get their guys back, once they get Son and Basuma back, I think that's a very, very, very solid 11. Again, the depth, maybe a few question marks there, but I think they did a good job in the transfer window, at least trying to address those like Timo Werner's actually been fine. Like he's, if, if he's your, you know, I guess fourth or fifth forward, you're, you know, kind of rotating in and out. I think that's kind of harmless. I think he's fine. Uh, the, the center back too, the Romanian center back, I know they brought him on late. Uh, he's someone who at least can rotate in and out when they need him to. So, I mean, it's a disappointing result. I mean, Everton is a relegation battle team so even though you're on the road at a tough Goodison Park you probably still expect to get that win but I don't think it's the end of the world I think they'll be fine they look good and once they get their guys back I think they'll be in a, a pretty good shape I, I I do especially with no uh again no European football uh, or FA Cup now that they lost the city to really worry about and even then to extend that point about the schedule they only play twice more in the month of february because their match that was originally scheduled against chelsea is going to be rearranged because chelsea are in the league cup final that weekend so and then if you even want to break it to the next international window they only have five matches played before march 30th so if you're talking about getting players integrated back into the team getting players healthy i mean Ange has very few matches a lot of training so he can actually experiment a little bit during this time because then when the team comes back 
from that international break. It'll be home to Luton, but then you're away to West Ham, home to Forest, away to Newcastle, City, Arsenal, Liverpool in a row. So, you know, who's to say? It is a a bit of a tricky sledding situation. But again, as we've referenced before, the less matches in the Premier League somehow actually benefits you as long as you cash in on that opportunity. Um, The one more highlighted match I want to get to, Stu, the the highest scoring game of the weekend, Newcastle 4, Luton Town 4. And you know what? If we're talking about teams that are probably disappointed from this weekend, I'd be Luton Town. I boldly went out on a limb on our last show and said Luton Town, the way that they're playing – have the realistic opportunity to go to St. James's Park and get all three points. And I truly thought around the 65th minute or so, and this is after Adebayo makes it 4-2, I mean, four goals in the last two matches. I'm like, they are rugged enough that even giving up a goal, they should be okay. They should still have enough to go and grind out three points, and this could change the relegation fight hugely and unfortunately for them well i mean credit first off to newcastle trippier gets one back and it is for those that have differing opinions on kieran trippier it is good to see him look like he's enjoying his football again because he had a really rough patch just with key mistakes over the holiday period that it looked like he just wasn't enjoying things and then harvey barnes comes back after a long-term injury and that's the equalizer about 17 minutes from time so credit to him credit to Newcastle who were able to get something from it. But yeah, if I'm Luton town, I am actually fuming with this result. Because again, we, we speak about how you break up if you're a relegation team and how you break up the rest of the table, you want to take care of the opponents that are around you. Luton have for the most part, I think it's close to around 20 points that they've earned from the game or not, excuse me, not 20 points, um, 15 points from the games that, they've played with teams around them. So that's the likes of Brentford, Forest, Everton, Burnley, and Sheffield. And then can you nick 15 from everybody else? That sets you in the way to get you out of the relegation spots to confirm safety because the way that this bottom three is looking like this season and who knows with more potential point deductions that will come, 32 points should keep you up. It absolutely, it absolutely should. I, I I would definitely agree with that. This is the thing that's really impressing about Luton Town this season. So they've played now uh, 23 matches they've played this season. Now, slow start, right? They they lose 4-1 to one to Brighton match week one. They lose 3-0 to Chelsea match week two. Since then, every match they've played aside from two has been within a goal. Uh, they lost 3-1 to one to Brentford and they lost 3-1 to one to Aston Villa. So... Pretty much so in a 21 match span, 19 of those matches have been within a goal. They are competitive. That That is the one thing that I was wondering going into the season was, okay, don't know a lot of these players. A lot of these guys don't have Premier League experience. How are they going to cope with the Premier League? How competitive are they going to be? We talk about Sheffield. Sheffield has a lot of matches this season where they've been not competitive. This week, they were not competitive. The 8-0 against Newcastle earlier in the season, not competitive. And a bunch of others in between. Town is competitive in basically every match, and they score goals late in the game. They score goals in the 75th minute and on as well. So, of course, they're not like, you know, top eight, top 10. But the fact, the fight they show, the fact that they play a lot of close games, they play really hard for their manager, it's just great to see. And I've really enjoyed it. And obviously, 
the thing I want to see most, of course, as a Liverpool fan is to see Liverpool win the Premier League. Aside from that, the second thing I want to see is Luton Town staying up. And it looks pretty good for them right now. It, nothing's guaranteed at this point, but the way they've played and with some of the, the teams that are around them and obviously the points deductions as well, it seems like there's a very good chance they'll stay up. And that makes me happy because I, I it's a great story and I absolutely love to see it. Yeah, and of course, for those listening overseas here in America, we do like an underdog story. We like teams, clubs that punch way above their weight, and it is easy to to fall in love with a team like this. And you know, we always get—I don't want to say mocked, but we as Americans like take, for example, Burnley. For example, right? It, it's not a very nice place to be, but yet every once every week we in america get transported to these sorts of places and we have random american pockets of fans all across this country that all of a sudden get attached with the team i know we're very much trying to get beyond this oh we're still learning about the sport there's people that have been watching this game for their whole lives and you know people that even myself back when we were really into it we were finding not so legal streams in various locations to try and watch matches but um for Luton Town I think a lot of people in this country can truly fall in love with because they're hardworking. they're another area that has gone through a bit of a rough patch I mean they're they're called the Hatters for a reason so they're a team that very much was or they're the uh the town that were creating hats they're making hats like fashion hats and you know dress up hat like in terms of a smart attire and whatnot but like that business gone i mean we here in america always we've learned about the Wrexham series right and how that area has just gone through a horrible time and there's countless other places in england that you know had a, a tough period especially after the industrial era so we can appreciate blue collar teams that just put in effort and they don't have to be the most, you know, they're not going to be plastered on video game covers. They're not going to be on magazines. They're not always going to be trending on social media, but they're a team that absolutely work their socks off for each other. And I think a lot of the media, both domestically in England and overseas, owe a huge apology to Rob Edwards and his staff because they've been nothing short of doing every taking everything that was thrown in their face and saying you know what it is us against the world and we have an opportunity to keep this club that is clearly deep in the roots of Luton and do something that no one imagined which is keep them up and credit to them they're still hanging around they're still fighting uh, and I'm actually curious I'm just going to look up right now how their finish to the season comes gettable very gettable after they play City on the 13th, it's home to Brentford, away to Wolves, home to Everton, away to West Ham, home to Fulham. If they can keep themselves within touching distance of safety, I, I, I'm with you, Stu. I think they stay up. Yeah, I love it. I, I do think that's that's a good possibility, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be crazy. Like I had him 20th. A lot of people had him 20th. I, I, I did not see a scenario that they would finish above 19. I thought he's here 19th at best, and. They have proven me wrong, and I, I am happy that they've proven me wrong. 
Um, I'll run down the scores of the other matches too that we haven't discussed, and we could kind of pick some of our best of the weekend. Uh, Brighton four, Crystal Palace one, as that most randomest derby in the world um, happened to give the Seagulls all three points. As Dunk Hinchelwood, Bonanote, and Joe Pedro all scoring for Brighton. Uh, Burnley two, Fulham two, Fulham. Kyle Franco would say they were poor at best as Fofana gets the equalizer in second half stoppage time after having a two goal lead for pretty much the entirety of the match. The credit to Burnley for sticking around, getting a point. Bournemouth one, Forest one, Clive scoring within five minutes is. Nottingham Forest use like their 78th goalkeeper of the season and still proves that they cannot defend a set piece. And they no, and yeah, people are going to say, oh, you, you have a bias with American goalie Matt Turner. Yes, I do. But if you take away that, they still can't defend set pieces and the majority of the goals that they concede are from set pieces. But they're, what their negative is in the back, their front is outstanding and Callum Hudson and Adoy with a lovely stroked in goal uh, to get a point out of that. Chelsea two, Wolves four, a couple of fortuitous bounces in the direction of Wolves after Cole Palmer gets things going for Chelsea, but Wolves continue to put in good shift after good shift after nearly getting three points or at least a point off Manchester United. They get three points on the road and then that leads me to Manchester United against West Ham. This will be the one, Stu, that I'll talk about because um, people go to Sean Miller for if you want bold, unfiltered, and often enough right takes. I give more of a cautious approach to things. I will gladly say this is the best performance that Manchester United have put in the course of this season because they've coughed away many two-goal leads this season. They've looked after... 60 minutes in a match, they look like, okay, we're just satisfied being here. If we get something from this, great. We haven't seen the engines going. We haven't seen you know, the, the leaders really step up and lead. But on this day, and also with a bit of adversity with uh, Leicha going down with an injury, and perhaps um, he might be shelved up to the rest of the season, the the young players coming through and they're able to put together a really good performance. I mean, uh, the Hoyland goal, all of a sudden now, it seems that domino effect of once the dam burst, it finally goes. He scored in four uh, consecutive league matches and Garnacho gets goals, uh, two of them, obviously Kobe Mainu, or Kobe Mainu, excuse me, getting himself the winner against Wolves in the midweek. And I'm not going to say that things have turned around for Manchester United, but all I'm going to say is there is a some sort of a nucleus there if they can tap into that and get on a run who knows they're not winning the league champions league is a big pipe dream but all of a sudden when you look at the table right now not all that far out of it with you know yeah eight points against villa but we've spoken about how very hot and cold they could be a run in this league can get you a lot of things so that's my pick of the bunch Stu. what do you have yeah i'll just piggyback off you for a second uh you could say what you want about Rashford, Anthony. Uh, Garnacho's a star. I, I think he's going to be a very, very good attacker for you for years. Now, is Hoyland with him? That's, I think, a question. And who they pair with uh, Garnacho, I think, is, an, is, a, is a question. But, no, you're right. I'm with you. I, I've i been impressed with United the last few, uh, at least the two last two match weeks. And, and I, I do think top four is not, it's not going to bet on it, but it's not out of the question. Um, the match I will talk about, is Chelsea 2, Wolves 4. Now, Chelsea looked horrible against Liverpool midweek, uh, losing 4-1. Uh, 
I thought they would, you know, going back to Stanford Bridge, I thought this was a chance for them to get right. Um, a Wolves team who they obviously have a lot more, at least on paper, they have a lot more talent than a lot more higher priced players. You would think that that would be a match where they could, you know, come back, get a nice 2 0, 2 1, 3 2 win. But that was not the case as they lost 4 to 2, a hat trick for Cunha in there. And wow, it, it's just, it's just so bad for Chelsea right now. It's just, they're at the point where, I mean, there's been disappointing teams this year. They are, they are the one that's just, far and away just a complete disaster and they just they don't show a lot of fight i watch them and it's funny like wolves i've been impressed with wolves i've talked about wolves a lot this year i know on a lot of episodes i i mean they play together they play for gary o'neill chelsea just does not reek as a team that plays for pochettino they don't play as a team it's just a bunch of random misfit toys out there trying to figure it out and a lot of times, you know, it's not being figured out. They have a couple bright spots. Cole Palmer is a very good player. I like Gallagher. But aside from that, it's just, it's it's disgusting to watch. And for a team that's spent the money they have, it's 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 pretty shocking. Wolves, on the other hand, they are, are now above Chelsea in the table. Gary O'Neill's been incredible. And just just these three players I'll, I'll just highlight here and just the impact that O'Neill's made. So Cunha went from two goals last year and zero assists last year to now nine goals and six assists. Wang He Chan, who, by the way, did not play in this game. He is still uh, at the Asian Cup. He went from three goals to 10. He has 10 this year, and he went from one assist to three so far. And then Pedro Neto, another great player, another guy who I am fond of. Uh, zero goals last year. He has two. Zero assists last year. He has eight. So you just see those three players. Those are their three key attacking players just the impact that O'Neill has made continue to be impressed I don't know if they're going to be able to hold on and finish top 10 but if they could somehow you know get a ninth or 10th place finish for a team that I thought would be in the relegation race just super impressed and just two teams in really the opposite direction one team I'm super impressed with and one team that I'm just like just continually disappointed by the real question for me, Stu, is I'm going to be fascinated once the season comes to a conclusion how the PFA votes for manager of the year. Yes. Because there's a legitimate argument for a number of guys fourth and below. The obvious would be if Liverpool wins it, you'll give it the clop. If City wins it, yeah, of course, Pep is going to get there. And the same could be said for Arteta. But beyond that, I mean, we've spoken, you just spoke about O'Neill. I spoke about, um, Luton Town and Edwards um, Emery. I mean, he's done an amazing job as yeah. well. And you could kind of go up and down. And I, I kind of almost wish that the voters will vote for with their brain a bit and not just yeah. give it as a popularity contest. So that will be, I'm going to be, I know it's a moot point, but that's something that's going to be fascinating because we've seen, I mean, Wolves, a lot of people also had them written off as a team that they probably shouldn't be in the conversation. And frankly, they're, they've forced their way to be in the conversation. So too, that's the other thing too, is they did so too with very little summer business. They had to let guys go, let guy, you know, sell guys to get under financial fair play rules. And O'Neill came like a week before the season started. Like we were talking about how a disaster it was that they fired their manager and brought in O'Neill. It's like, Oh, what are they doing the week before the season? And boy, they've, <laughs> they made some of us look silly. I'll, I'll tell you that. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so looking ahead here at the midweek, not too many matches that we usually cover, but there are enough in terms of uh, talking points here. First off, the FA Cup fourth round replays will be going on on Tuesday and Wednesday. On Tuesday, you have Sheffield Wednesday traveling to Coventry City. Those teams drew 1-1 uh, with Sheffield Wednesday getting the equalizer just before second half stoppage time. Leeds trap makes the long trip down to the southwest to take on Plymouth Argyle. And you bet home park is going to be rocking on Tuesday night. And then Watford will make a journey that they didn't want to make going to Southampton. They thought they had that tie sewn up, but they gave up one to Stuart Armstrong right before the end of full time. So those teams will be going into a replay still Southampton. As I checked, did they lose this weekend? They did not. So you still have to go all the way back to late September for the last time that they lost a match and any sort of competition. Then on Wednesday, you have Nottingham Forest hosting Bristol city. Those teams replay after a draw at Ashton gate. And then, Aston Villa will take on Chelsea and we all know Chelsea again they have struggled um, over the last couple of weeks and have their eyes maybe pointed a little bit more towards the EFL Cup final at the end of the month now another random note that brought up in the group chat this morning north of the border in Scotland as you laugh and it's kind of a sentence that I didn't think we'd ever actually say in the 2024 calendar year, but Neil Warnock is once again employed as the over 70 man. Now, as he said, he always wanted to go manage Scottish football. Well, good luck to you, sir, because you have Aberdeen as your temporary employer for the rest of the season. And where, where's your first match? Yeah. Ibrox Rangers Rangers, who by the way, can go level with Celtic. Um, and actually pass them on goal difference with a win against eighth place Aberdeen. Stu, I know you haven't had much experience um, with Neil Warnock in terms of, you know, kind of watching on the regular, but that one kind of shocked our group chat up a bit. Yeah, it's, it's, that's certainly going to be interesting. The fact that he just seemed, can't seem to, to want to go away. And when you just love the game that much, that's one of those things where I get it, right? Like we, we, we kind of talk about, some guys in in the American sports as well. Some some of like the Bill Belichick of the NFL is, you know, some people think maybe he should uh, hang it up, but he's someone who didn't get a job this offseason, but people think he still has that desire to coach and good for him. I mean, that, that that's certainly a good story to, to pay attention to. There's actually, for those that are fascinated, there is a YouTube video out right now um, on a golf channel actually it's called the tubes and Ange golf life um for those that don't know tubes former soccer am person before uh, that show was cut off after the conclusion of last season but he and his brother do a kind of like they it's kind of like a long form podcast slash a round of golf and neil warnock and his son will warnock who's actually he only needed two years of playing golf to turn scratch and playing. So those guys had a match with Jimmy Bullard from former uh, premier league player in his own right. And they just let Neil Warnock with a microphone and a golf club and let him go to work. And it was, it's actually 90 minutes of hysterics and a couple of really good stories, Victor Moses and Adele Tarrapt. Those are the two that you should listen to. So um, the other two things to keep an eye on in the next couple of days Asian Cup and AFCON semifinals. Yes. Um, in the Asian Cup, you mentioned Chan and Sun. 
their South Korean side still in the competition. They had a come back goal down. Wang Chen gets a penalty in the sixth minute of stoppage time against Australia. He scores. Sonny nets the winner in extra time. So they move on over a game Australia team. They take on Jordan, who knocked out um, fan favorites, Tajikistan, who did not ever qualify for a major competition. Jordan knocking them out in the quarterfinals. The other one will see Iran, who defeated Japan with a Ali Rezi Jahan Bakash, former Brighton man, uh, goal from the spot in the six minute of stoppage time they will face off against defending champions and hosts qatar who outlasted uzbekistan three goals to two in the quarterfinals so tuesday the jordan south korea match wednesday the iran cutter match now yes that time <laughs> for this one it's that time baby afcon the semifinals are on wednesday and the two tournament darlings Cabo Verde, Cape Verde Islands, and South Africa squaring off and a penalty shootout that finished two to one after a goalless 120 minutes, which by the way, South Africa, 390 consecutive minutes without conceding a goal in the tournament after giving up a couple against Mali in the opener. Actually, I think it might even be longer than that, you know? Um, oh yeah, it's pushing over 400 minutes. So that's really impressive for a team that transfer market has rated around $24 million worth value. They will be going up against Nigeria, who are easily the most expensive team with Victor Osimhen as Nigeria gets through Angola. And then in the second semifinal, this is on Wednesday, the host Ivory Coast will take on Democratic Republic of Congo, who defeated uh, Guinea by three goals to one. And if you see the scenes in East London, um, a couple of nights ago because there's apparently a pretty big Congolese uh, population in London. You couldn't get through because they're all dancing in the streets, dancing on top of cars. The scenes were electric. So the semifinals in those two uh, tournaments will be happening in the midweeks. Do anything else that you have before we end the night? Yeah, I'm just excited as an American. Uh, we kind of finally got that World Cup 2026 uh, slate in terms of where these games are going to be played. And the final is going to be very close to um, you and I uh, in, in the Meadowlands in New Jersey in the New York area. Just going to be Say very it correctly. The <laughs> <laughs> um, very curious to see what that uh, that World Cup final is going to uh, cost to get in the building because that is something where I kind of want to put like uh, you know fifteen twenty dollars a paycheck in a little account and just see it go up the next uh, year and a half or so and. Maybe uh, you know, maybe see what happens and and get a seat, but it's it's going to be uh, intriguing either way. Yeah, Jerry Jones not landing the final down no. in Dallas. That's a bit of a surprising one, um, especially with roof and climate controlled versus outdoors, mid Atlantic in the summer swamp. Ooh, <laughs> the swamp in the swamp, baby. Billy Joel I'm, country. I'm very excited. Spring Street country. Let's go. I'm very excited to see people that fly from other countries uh, to the final and they're like, oh yeah, New York, be, you know, the bright lights of New York. And, and when they get there and they, you know, you have to you know, transfer at the Secaucus uh, train station. And oh my God. Can you imagine by the way? I, that I cannot wait. We'll see if Twitter X is still a thing around then and all the TikTok and Instagrams and all that. We'll see what's, uh, 
what's real and what's not, uh, you know, two and a half years from now, but I cannot wait to see some reaction of uh, some people from the other side of the world. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm just imagining, I know it's not Secaucus, it was New Newark Penn Station, but the bull that's just running on the tracks, still uh, going apparently, by the yes. way. Oh, yes. He absolutely is. That was, that was a great uh, story a few weeks ago, yes. Good banter. All right. Good stuff, Stu. Um, that was fun. Group, yeah. group will be uh, back in action, and we'll see how many are available on our next episode. But um, a lot less uh, Liverpool hate on this uh, episode than uh, a few from a few ago. I'll say that much. See, see what happens when the rotation kicks in. That's what happens. <laughs> so for all of us, for Stu, I'm JJ saying so long. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms on both Twitter slash X and Instagram. Just search box to box football. There's some variations to it. There's one that's box to box FT ball and box to box football pod. And give us a like. Tell your friends trying to keep that algorithm algorithming. We'll talk to you next time.